of a series that I've been doing, uh, Reconciling Sin and Judgment and a God of Love. What's that all about? That's uh, a big deal. Uh, and we're going to talk about the judgment of God today. We're going to talk about the wrath of God today. Where does that fit, right? And how does how does God really view sin? We kind of touched on that a little bit last time, but I just wanted to go over it because that's huge. Because if you have a God of wrath that you think is punishing sin, if that's his thing, then you're not going to get past that. And it's going to be a really scary thing because we all sin, right? So uh, let's go to Matthew 9, 11. This is the Passion Translation. It says, when those known as Pharisees saw what was happening, they were indignant and they kept asking Jesus's disciples, why would your master dine with such low lives? When Jesus overheard this, he spoke up and said, healthy people do not need to see a doctor, but the sick will go for treatment. Then he added, now you should go and study the meaning of the verse. I want you to, I want you to show mercy, not just offer me a sacrifice for I have come to invite the outcasts of society and sinners, not those who think they are already on the right path. So I want you to hear this language. Healthy people do not need to see a doctor, but the sick will go for treatment. Okay. And so uh, Brian Simmons comments that the word for sick can also mean evil. And, you know, when we're doing evil things, um, we're sick because we were made in the image and likeness of God who is holy or whole. Uh, and he's not sick, he's healthy. And so when we're acting in evil ways, perverse ways, violating love towards ourselves and towards other, violating the commandment of love, we are sick. We're sick in our wills. We're sick in our emotions. We're sick in our minds. We're sick in our wills. We get sick in our bodies. We get sick in our personalities. Okay. And we need healing. Okay, so this the evil is a sickness that requires healing. When you are a have a medical condition, does that need punishment or does that need healing? No, we are sick and we need healing to a person, which is what our Savior does. So God is all about healing sin, not punishing it. This is Jesus and him saying, this is how we would be, because these are like bona fide sinners, right? You know, the outcasts of society. It's not like, oh, they really weren't sinning. And so we're just giving them a pass. No, they're in your face sitting. Okay. But God is able to hang out with him and them as his children because they need healing and because he loves them. So he's there to heal. Now, the ones, the Pharisees that were sick in their minds uh, with self-righteousness and legalism also need healing. Uh, but they weren't actually letting Jesus hang out with them with some exceptions, right? When Nicodemus came, you know, he's talking, they he's really seeking truth and Jesus ministers to him and loves him. All of these, he loves everybody, but you know, sometimes people won't go to the doctor. 
<laughs> have you noticed? Um, when they desperately need healing. So that's just the human condition and part of the perversity that we have as human beings. So let's just keep this in mind. And it's right there. Uh, God views sin and sinful ways of being, not as a nature, but as a sickness. He views evil, evil that we've allowed or that's been imposed on us um, as sickness that needs healing because we're righteous. Ding, da, ding, ding. Okay. So, uh, but he does not view this as a nature. Sin is not a nature. We talked about that. Let's go to Romans 7, 15, just seven. I'm kind of bouncing around in that chapter. Verse 15, and this is Paul. And, and Paul is, is putting out the predicament every human being feels about sin, right? Okay. So I'm a mystery to myself. I can relate right here. Can you relate right here? I can relate right here. Okay. <laughs> but I want to do what is right, but I end up doing what my moral instincts condemn. For I know that nothing good lives within the flesh of my fallen humanity. Okay. This is not a nature. The flesh is not a nature. It's, it's part of the constructs, mindset, stronghold. And there is garbage. Okay. That the longings to do what is right are within me. But the willpower is not enough to accomplish it. My lofty desires to do what is good are dashed when I do the things I want to avoid. But I discern another power operating in my humanity, waging war against the moral principles of my conscience and bringing me into captivity as a prisoner to the law. This is uh, the law of sin. This would be the law of Moses. Um, this is an unwelcome intruder in my humanity. What an agonizing situation I'm in. Okay, so how many of you can relate? I want you to think of something you're struggling with right now. I guarantee you, you know, I mean, it may not be sort of blatant in our view of sin. Maybe you're struggling with pornography or adultery. Maybe you're struggling with um, lying or, or thieving or I mean, whatever, you know, there's something uh, that we're all struggling with pride, gossip, uh, you know, a, a temper. I mean, pick a card, any card. All right. So I want you to think of that and how that can really feel just emotionally. You know, you feel like, man, I just like, or maybe God is convicting you of impatience, right? Like, oh, and you're like, right. So we can all relate here. Okay. But this is not where the story ends. Thank you, Jesus. But I, I, one of the things to help us overcome this, because the answer is Jesus Christ became sin, who knew no sin, that we would be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. So we are, he's dealing with the entity of sin in us. And as we walk in the spirit, we'll not fulfill the lusts of the flesh. So that's the answer to the question. How do we overcome? We're walking in the spirit. We're walking in our union with Christ. And he's already overcome this ding to ding ding. So he overcame so we can overcome. Okay. But I, I, I want to back up a, a second. One other thing to help you is not to identify with sin because it's not who you are. Uh, it says, verse 20, it says, if my behavior contradicts my desires to do good, I must conclude that is not my true identity doing it. But the unwelcome intruder of sin hindering me from being who I really am. So who are you really? 
you're the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You're as Christ in this world right now. Yeah. You are holy without spot or blemish, right? That is who you are. So you're coming from a place of original design of sinlessness, original innocence. And there's this unwelcome intruder. It's, it's, it's intruding on your ways of being. Okay. So like you say, yeah, I, I, I'm maybe in the middle of this mess, but that's not who I am. This is how you're going to overcome whatever patterns there are. That's not who I am. And I'm going to let God minister to me in convincing me of my righteousness and purity and holiness, right? So I don't want to look at porn, right? And then operate in self-control because there are things like, you know, sin has pleasure for a season. Sometimes sin is a whole lot easier than not sinning. It just always bites you in the butt, right? And so we're undoing patterns and strongholds. But we realize that we're coming from a place of victory. And this is about renewing the mind about who you are. Because if you have a sin nature, you're screwed. There's no way you can overcome a nature. But you sure can overcome strongholds, even if they've been your entire life. Of course, you can overcome them. Why? Because what's deeper and more uh, foundational than any of that was the fact that you were created in the image and likeness of God. And God does not confused about who he is. He's holy and whole. And so, yeah, you are holy and whole. Now you're forgiven. Neither do I condemn you. Now go and sin no more, right? Okay. This is how you're going to turn this around. So it's an interloper. Uh, we can see this in Genesis 4, 7. So uh, this is with Cain. Uh, Cain and Abel, the two brothers uh, that were sons of Adam and Eve. Whether you read this allegorically or not, it's kind of irrelevant. It's the point that we need to get. So it says, uh, so Yahweh said to Cain, Yahweh or, or God, Jehovah, uh, God, as he was uh, called in the Old Testament, uh, he said to Cain, because he had basically, Cain, Cain and Abel had, uh, had offered sacrifices to God. Uh, Cain had uh, offered uh, a sweet smelling, savoring uh, uh, meat uh, and Abel had, I'm mean, sorry, Abel had offered the sweet selling meat. Cain had offered the produce of the land. And this is like, no, you're, no, this is not the correct offering. Uh, and it's a lack of revelation of depending upon Christ versus depending on us in our own fruitfulness and our own strength. That's what that's foreshadowing. And so the sacrifice, God's never going to let you get away with uh, working for your own righteousness and 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 not look not realizing you're utterly dependent on God, okay, uh, he's not going to let you get away with that. But Cain did not react well. It says, "Why are you so angry and bothered? If you offer what is right, won't you be accepted?" So if I'm offering to God my own self righteousness, yeah, that's not going to be accepted, right? Because it's a lie. Um, and then also it will all ultimately bite me in the butt. I can never be self-righteous. I can never do it in my own strength for the rest of my life. Like God's like, yeah, you're operating as if I'm not here and I'm not there to help you. Right. Okay. But if you refuse to offer what is right, yield to my will, depend upon me. Sin, the predator is crouching in wait outside the door of your heart. It desires to have you, yet you must be its master. So here we're look really, I love this poetic language, but we get it. Like sin is an interloper and it's, it's crouching outside the door of our heart. 
and it desires to have us like a predator. Okay, what happens when a predator has you? You die, you get devoured, okay? Uh, yet you must be its master. So for God to say to Cain or to us, we must be the master over sin. Um, it would be really unrighteous and unfair, and he'd be a total jerk if this weren't possible. But with Christ, with God, as we operate from our union, automatically we are able to overmaster sin. Why? Because it's not who we are. It's like, yeah, I'm not, I'm not falling for that. Yeah, I, I know Jesus helped me and strengthened me, strengthened me with might in the inner man, right? That I can resist this sin. I can, I can, I can yield to you, uh, submit to God, resist the devil or this sin interloper, however you want to, they're similar. Um, and you know, wait, right? And you can operate in that. And the more you practice, the stronger you get. And especially learning who you are. And then you start to look at sin as like, wait a second. That sin that used to be like, I, I was going to die if I couldn't do this is about as attractive as eating dirt. This is an easy thing to resist, right? And you start to grow and grow and grow. You're not going to do it perfectly. Of course you're not. But you're practicing, you're learning, you're growing. And this is how you start to overmaster those things. But it was Cain's rebellious attitude in his heart um, that did that. And unfortunately, we saw that, no, he totally caved. Cain, Cain totally caved. And then in the next verse, we see that Cain murdered his brother. Okay. Sin was crouching at his door. He said, let's go. And he murdered his brother out of jealousy. Right. Um, and, but even in that, look at God's uh, response to that, even in the old Testament, which there was a huge veiling of God. Okay. Um, but Cain, uh, uh, now murder is sin and it will have its own consequences. But even in that God protected Cain from the vengeance of others, see the heart of God. Uh, so you have this, uh, this murder of this innocent person and that God's not okay with that. Okay. The blood of, uh, sorry, the murder of Abel as innocent brother. And God was not okay with that. His blood was crying from the earth, looking for uh, vengeance. But even in that, God is saying, yes, that's a thing. But Cain, I'm not going to let people take vengeance on you because this is not about vengeance. This is about restoring all things. Okay. So sin is on the, an entity on the outside that wants to come on the inside. Uh, Francois Dutrois in the Mirror Bible and Romans 5.12 brilliantly comments about sin. Sin is the word hamartia. Uh, the ha is a negative, okay? Miros is portion or form. Thus, that means to be without your allotted portion or without form, pointing to a disoriented, distorted, identity. Sin is ultimately this interloper saying, yeah, no, you're not the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You are not, um, you're not a son and daughter of God. You're not as he is. So are we in this world? It's a lie. It's a distortion. And it's striking at the heart of who you are with a lie and a delusion. Sin is to live out of context with a blueprint of one's design to behave out of tune with God's original harmony. 
Isn't that beautiful? This is a harmony between you and him, your original design. And when you're living outside of that, you're this discordant notes that are happening, but it's not who you really are. So we need to get into, we need to allow God as the lover of our soul to fine tune our, um, the, uh, the frequencies that we're operating on. You know, I used to play the violin and it's a gorgeous instrument, but man, it's not perfect pitch and you, and you kind of move it down and you get it all until it's just the perfect pitch. And when you reach the perfect pitch, it will resonate with say like a tuning fork. They'll both start vibrating at the same frequency. You know, you've hit it perfectly. And so we, God is in the process of fine tuning you to resonate at his frequency of love, which is your original design. So where does all this fit with God as a judge? Um, well, God is a just judge. Let me see if I can find the verses. I have a ton of scriptures here. Um, so he's, God is love. He's truth. He's life. He's light. He's a good shepherd. He's the true vine. He's the way. And all of these point to God as love. And so if God is love and he's a just judge, which the Bible says he is, that's in John 5, 27, 30, Acts 17, 31, Acts 10, 42, 2 Timothy 4, 8, and Hebrews 12, 23, there's quite a few scriptures is saying that God is a just judge. So what does he judge? Well, he judges everything that's not of love's kind. Let me just ask you a quick quiz with what we just said. Are you of love's kind? Of course you are. There's no one God has ever created. That is not of love's kind because you were created in the image and likeness of God. And God is not, he doesn't create some that are not bad. And no, we're all, you're a human being. Oh, he loves humans. He's wild about all of his kids. You were created in that. So what does he judge? He judges everything that is not of love's kind, which is all these ways of being that are not vibrating at the frequency of love where it's, it's uh, sin against yourself, sin against other people, you're violating love, ultimately that puppy is going to go, okay? And um, and now with that, all these ways of being, what does a doctor do? He heals that. Does, does he punish it? No. Um, sometimes it can feel really like brutal, right? You know, if you get chemotherapy, that's brutal, but he's not doing it to kill you as who you are. He's killing you. He's doing that to kill every cancer cell that is violating who you are, right? And sometimes that can be a brutal process, okay? So if there's a ways of being and he's saying, you know what, I am not moving. You're going to have to trust me here. So let's say big one we do with humanity when we, in humanity where we've been really hurt we start to be really independent. Like, okay, screw everybody. I can't count on anybody. Everybody's ever hurt, hurt me, blah, 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 blah. And I'm going to be independent. And But we get start to be independent from God. And God is like, yeah, you can't get away with that. You're going to have to learn to trust me. And that means in the healing process, you're going to have to face all sorts of pain you probably have been running from your whole life. And you do that bit by bit by bit. So he doesn't like slap it on you all at once. But if you're acting independent because you can't trust, okay, well, he's going to be uh, having you face some of these really painful areas, but you're not doing it alone. 
and he's having you do it to be healed so you can trust him and learn ways to trust others who are in perfect humanity. Uh, maybe you need to set boundaries. Maybe you need to uh, truncate some, some toxic relationships because they're damaging, whatever that is. But God is the one to do that. He's leading it as a healing process that is not feeling good, but ultimately is going to be your freedom because he loves you. And he's not willing to let you be less than who you are because acting independent is sinful. Okay. Um, and you can justify it all you want. We do that all the time. You know, when we're, when we're like, well, you know, I, you know, I mean, and then any other, any of the more obvious things, he's going to be after those to heal them, not because you're bad, but because you're good. He's after that to heal. Okay. So he's judged you, you in who you are as righteous. Second Corinthians 5, 21, he who knew no sin became sin that we might be made the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Is he going to change his mind? If you went on a, um, a killing spree, is an extreme example. Are does that is that killing spree bigger than the work of God on the cross in making you his righteousness? No. Now, was the act heinous? Absolutely. You and who you are in your fundamental foundational identity is still righteous. You're just so disconnected from that. You've so yielded to sin. You've become deluded in your mind. Um, you be, you're sick. The, there's evil operating in you and you are sick to an extreme resulting in this behavior that is never okay, but who you are in your eternal, right? So God's as love dealing with that, it's going to be brutal. Okay. But not because he hates you. He hates sin. Sin is the enemy. You may have set yourself up as his enemy in your mind because you are embracing and identifying with and loving because you're so sick, these twisted, evil things, but he's not your enemy. Okay. And so he's working to bring you back. So we are judged as Christ in this world. Uh, let's, let's go to first John 4, 16 through 18. It says, God is love. Those who are living in love are living in God and God lives through them. By living in God, love has been brought to its full expression in us so that we may fearlessly face the day of judgment because all that Jesus now is, so are we in this world. Love never brings fear or fear is always related to punishment. Ding, da, ding, ding. Okay. But love's perfection drives drives the fear of punishment far from our hearts. Whoever walks constantly afraid of punishment has not reached love's perfection. Now, that doesn't mean who you are. Who you are is perfect. But in your ways of being and how you're relating to yourself and how you're relating to God, if there's fear in there, no condemnation, but you're probably already feeling condemned because somehow there's a fear of punishment. Something horrible is going to happen, right? Uh, Brian uh, Simmons says, the Aramaic can be translated, we will have open faces on the day of judgment. For the true believer filled with God's love, the day of judgment is not to be feared, but look forward to. Hi, I'm here. I already know you adore me. 
I already know I've messed up, but yeah, come and, and burn that crap off. I don't want it. I'm going to yield because I know you and I trust you and you're helping me know and trust you more, right? Um, but it's something that day of judgment is something to be looked forward to for perfect love will have made us completely like Christ. Not just this is working out our salvation already complete. Love provides us no reason to fear the future or fear punishment from God. But, you know, God is is serious about sin. This is not giving the shooting spree a pass. Hell no. That is hell. And so we say no to hell. Okay. Right. He will expose it. Right. Come into the light. And that's not going to be pretty. You done that. You come into the light. It is not going to be pretty because God's going to be frying all kinds of stuff out of you that are not of who you really are. And this going to be brutal. That's actually probably going to feel like hell. Um, but he disciplines you as a good father, not because you are bad, but because you are good. You're way too good to be let operate in ways that are less than who you are. Okay. Let me, I have lots here. So yeah, I'm going to skip that. Um, so how do we look at really freaky judgment scriptures? I'm going to give you like a really freaky one that makes God look horrible. Ready? Okay. All right. Um, let's go to Nahum 1-2. This is a new revised standard version updated edition. Okay. It says a jealous and avenging God is the Lord. The Lord is avenging and wrathful. The Lord takes vengeance on his adversaries and prolongs it against his enemies. Okay. So that could be really scary unless you see God rightly. Okay. So what is God's true nature? God is love. Okay. What does love look like? Well, he's patient and kind. He's gentle, right? But he will be ferocious against, as the God of love, he's going to be ferocious against this interloper of sin and the death it yields and any, any spiritual overlay that is demonic that propagates sin and death, those are his enemies, but his enemies are never his kids, okay? You're not his enemy. Even if you set yourself up as your enemy, he's not your enemy, okay? So he's going, he's wrathful on our behalf. He's wrathful against sin, hell, death, the grave, the satanic influences. Those are his enemies, why? Because they molest his kids. You start starting to get it. So you want a God that's jealous for you. Let me say, uh, jealousy is uh, about something that's yours. If I'm jealous of something, um, that's because it's mine. Okay. So he's jealous on your behalf. You're his, whether you've said the magic prayer or not, whether you're worshiping the satanic or not, you're still his. Why? Because he created you. Right. Um, and avenging, he's going to take vengeance, vengeance against death, sin, uh, hell, the grave, all of that. Um, the satanic and he takes vengeance on his adversaries, Right. So there's no mercy for the things that are molesting you, right? But his tender mercies are renewed every day for you, right? As his kids, right? 
So because of that, we're not going to, all these sinful ways of being, yeah, we're not going to be let off the hook. Those are going to fry baby and they need to, but you and who you are is going to come out. That's, that's a healing fire. Okay. Uh, blah, blah, blah. Uh, so God has forgiven sin. So you're forgiven. Sin is not forgiven, but you're forgiven. Okay. Do you understand? We're separating sin from you, right? First Corinthians uh, 13.5 says uh, about love. It does not dishonor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered and keeps no records of wrongs. So you're probably keeping records of wrongs, but God is not. Let's now we don't want to base anything off of one scripture. So let's go to Second uh, Corinthians five nineteen says that this was not just Christ, but God, Father, Spirit in Christ. That is that is in Christ. God was reconciling the world. This didn't say Christians. It says reconciling the world. Who is not in the world? We're all in the world. Okay. To himself, not counting their trespasses against them. This is the world. He doesn't say Christians, only Christians. He's not counting their trespasses against them. No, this is the world. And entrusting the message of reconciliation to us. This is a reconciliation. God is reconciled to you. And now he's working on our hearts. So we're reconciled to him because we're giving him the flying finger. Okay. Get it? Okay. Let's get this ad nauseum because we're separating you from sin or from a sin nature. Okay. Even in the Old Testament. So they had enough revelation in here. This is really good revelation. The Old Testament, Psalm 103.12. And as far as the East is from the West, so he removes our transgressions from us. To transgress means to step past, step over a law, to break a law. What is the law we're breaking? We're breaking the law of love. Okay. And again, uh, where is that? Oh, in Isaiah 118. It says, come now and let's uh, deliberate over the next steps to take together. So this is God saying, okay, hang with me. Let's talk about this. Let's deliberate together. So this is an invitation for you to grapple with God as a friend, as one who loves you. Um, Yahweh, Jehovah or God, okay, promises you over and over. Get ready. Though your sins stain you like scarlet, I will whiten them like bright new fallen snow, even though they are deep red like crimson. So we're not glossing over sin. Um, they will be made white like wool. Okay, that's Isaiah 118. So God is always loved. He's forgiven sin. He always looks like that. Um, so um, God is love. And so how is he as um, as love? as the just judge who has wrath towards sin, towards death, towards the devil. Okay, those are his enemies. And the devil's defeated, by the way. Actually, sin is defeated as well as death is defeated, okay, uh, in him. Okay, so let's go to Hebrew 12, 29. How, how, do, how do we do this? What is it? Therefore, we are receiving a kingdom. This is our process. This is our working this out. The kingdom's already been established, but we're receiving it. You know, when God says you're pure and holy, and you say, well, yeah, but look at what I did. He's saying, yeah, honey, settle down. I know what you did. Settle down. Who you are is good and forgiven. Okay. The sinful thing. Yeah, that's a thing. 
but it's separate from who you are. This is you and me. We are receiving a kingdom. You are as righteous as I am. That cannot be shaken. This is eternal. Let us show gratitude by which we may offer to God an acceptable worship and reverence. Listen, when you really realize just how forgiven you are with all the heinous stuff that you and I have done, you're just like, you can't help but worship him because you're so loved when you didn't quote unquote deserve it, right? Okay, for indeed our God is a consuming fire. Let's go to Mark 9, 48 through 50. Uh, it says, for everyone will be salted with fire. Okay, let's go to 1 Corinthians uh, 3, 11 through 6. Um, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one that has been laid. The foundation is Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Okay. Now, if anyone builds on the foundation with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay, straw, the work of the builder will become visible for the day will disclose it because it will be revealed by fire and the fire will test what sort of work each has done. If, if the work that someone has built on the foundation of Christ, okay, survives, the builder will receive a wage. There's a reward. Like when you're working to yield to God, he, he rewards. If the work is burned up, so say you were building a ministry, but it's all about fluffing and buffing your ego and proving what a great prophet you are, a great apostle you are, or great whatever you are. Okay, that puppy's going to go because that's not built on the foundation of Christ, of love. It's all about you. And it's about a false you. Okay, the false you will go, the true you will stand. And the verse that proves that, it says the builder will be saved, but only as through fire. So he doesn't consume his kids, but he consumes all their crap. Okay, yay for that. Malachi 3, 2. But who, could, who can endure the day of his coming? Who can stand when he appears? Okay, this is the day of judgment. And he's going to judge. He's a just judge. So who can stand? Those that look just like him. The answer, for he is like a refiner's fire and a washer's soap or a fuller's soap. He will sit as the refiner and purifier of silver, and he will purify the descendants of Levi, is purify everyone, and refine them like gold and silver until they present offerings to the Lord in righteousness. What's the offering? You just believe, and in that, you love him back. It's really simple. This is all uh, the refiner's fire that purifies as silver and gold is also seen in, in, in Isaiah 13, 9. So this is God as a consuming fire. What is he doing? He's purifying. Well, when you purify, you get rid of all the crap, right? If you're purifying gold and silver, you're getting rid of all the metals that are not gold and silver. If you're, if you're purifying a gemstone, everything that's not of gem quality, that's going to go away. Well, listen, you are silver, you are gold, you are a gem, you are a diamond. That will actually be purified and refined to even more brilliance through the fires of love. So that's what you will encounter is the fires of love. God is love and a consuming fire. So what does he burn up? And everything that's not of love's kind. And let me say it again, baby, who you are is of love's kind. He chose you. He created you. He joined you to himself before the foundation of the world in his image and likeness without spot or blemish before him in love. And so that is eternal. And that will withstand the fire. And the more you yield now to these fires of love, that convict you of righteousness, baby, that you're righteous. What the hell are you looking up horn for? I probably he actually might say that to you because he's not, doesn't have his panties in a while. Okay. Um, sorry. 
God, I don't know if you have panties, but you know what I'm saying. He thought it was really funny. <laughs> okay. That may need to burn up. I don't know. Anyway. Okay. We're just going to yield into them. He's going to purify all these things um, because you are so good until you look just like who you are. His image and likeness, but who you are as a son and daughter of God, right? Brilliant, just like him. Everything that's going to burn up is the works of the flesh. Galatians 5, 19 through 21, right? Everything that is not love. Okay. And what remains is the true and gorgeous you in the image of likeness of him. And that is your destiny to be conformed into the image of Christ. So listen, this is your job. Should you choose to accept it? There's an offer that is an ongoing standing offer that he never reneges that will be there until you are perfect, holy, manifested just like him and that is to yield to his fires of love you know when that hurts the most uh, well never it hurts to look at ugly sin okay it hurts to want to sin and have to say no because that's been a way of being that maybe feels safer than this god okay all right so a lot of that is going to be burning up trust issues god can i trust you here God, I really want to do that, but you're asking me not to. Okay, I'm going to yield to you. That is a burning by fire, okay? Um, when we fight it, okay, then we really, you know, how many of you, let me put it this way, I just want you to identify yourself there because the answer is yes, all of us can remember, let's do this, a time when you have um, resisted God, right? You know it's God. He told you to forgive and you said, not doing it, not doing it. Uh, he told you to, you know, come back to him and you're like, I'm running, screw you and your dog too. Right. Right. Okay. Um, whatever it is, I want you not to look at that porn right now. And you just you feel like this is the only way you're going to get any intimacy, fulfillment, satisfaction, or it's just such an addiction. You think you're going to die without it. And he's asking you, right? And when you resisted, how did that feel? It feels horrible. It feels horrible. And the longer you resist, the more horrible it feels. And you know it. If you're honest, you know it. And this is why a lot of people medicate because they that's a horrible feeling. So they medicate, but they still know, right? Everybody's running away from God. knows somewhere they're running away from God and it feels horrible. So God is still with them as that consuming fire. So that fires of love will feel horrible, okay? Um, until you decide, okay, all right, okay. All right, I'm turning back to you. I'm gonna give this up and I'm taking another baby step or maybe a giant leap, whatever that is, whatever you can do in that direction. Then, oh, it was so much better. <laughs> Run to God with your sin. Come into the light with your sinful ways of being because you will withstand the light. You'll withstand the fire, but the crap's going to go, right? Because it's an enemy of God. Sin and death, the satanic or enemies of God come to run. Daddy, I sinned again. Help. And it's like, okay, baby, good job. Come here. Yeah. Let me get that off you, right? And you start to learn that he's forgiven you. 
And so if you don't feel forgiven, well, just ask for his forgiveness. Not that that he's going to forgive you that and there. He already forgave you. But Jesus, help me receive your forgiveness. Help me forgive myself. Cleanse my consciousness of sin. So that I'm free to serve you. Ah, feels so much better. That is his wrath. And that is his judgment. His wrath is the word orge in the Greek, which means a fiery, hot, passionate love. It could be ecstatic, okay? Which is why there is this mystery of Christ in the church. And, you know, it's the root word of orgasm. And so, you know, don't get weird. You're not having sex with God. Like, don't, don't, don't like that would be like a sinful mindset, a broken mindset that needs to be healed. But there is an ecstatic relationship of God where you're fully loved, fully known, fully accepted. You're naked and unashamed. And there's no part of you that's shameful. Every part of you gets to be adored in a safe, holy, whole, loving, healing way. And everything that's not of you gets to be burned away. That's the judgment and the wrath of God. Honey, yield, yield into it. You know, it gets, it gets easier, but it's never really easy, but you're like, oh, it's so worth it. It's like working out in a way, you know, I mean, rarely I'm like, yay, I'm loving working out. But I'm like, when I don't work out, I feel crappy right after the pain stops. I feel great. Right. And I know I'm doing what I need to do, right? And I'm drawing upon um, what I've been able to learn and I'm able to operate in self-control led by the spirit to love myself enough to do something hard and reap the rewards of that. And you can do that baby step by baby step and you're not gonna do it perfectly. This is not about doing it perfectly. It's just about taking your baby steps or maybe a giant leap, whatever you can do and keeping on going, yield to those fires of love and you will shine and it you will you will radiate who you really are. You're beautiful, you're powerful, you're too good to allow yourself to be less than who you are. Anyway, I hope this series has been a blessing for you. I know I threw at you a lot of scripture. Feel free to go and like research those things out. And um, yeah, so I, I think we're done. Anyway, let me know how this impacted you. Share this with people who need it. People are really confused about this and it puts them in unbelievable bondage where they can't really trust God, where God's scary and God is love. And he's insisting on casting out that thing here. Okay. Love you guys. Have a great day. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us on this episode of Perspectives with Catherine Toon. For additional information and resources, please visit catherinetoon.com.